stuff and all this fantastic technology that was depicted uh, in these stories. But even then, as a child in the 80s, I knew there was like a disconnect because some of the stories that had been written in the 40s and 50s were already set in what was my past, mm. but for them was the sort of distant future. And there was a disconnect. You know, I... I I, I was quite clear on the fact that I did not receive a jetpack for my ninth birthday. You know, <laughs> we, we had gone to the moon and we did not go back to build hotels there. And so that disconnect was something I was just really interested in, even as a kid. Um, what happened to the future that we were promised? And uh, so for, even from a uh, young age, I, I remember I was thinking about these things and, um, you know, Whenever, anytime there's some kind of new amazing technology, uh, came up, you know, often things would remind me. I feel like there's this whole subset of people who, you know, in like in Silicon Valley and spots like that around the world who, they're just trying to make the science fiction from their childhood come yeah. to life, you know? Um, but as I got older and, you know, went to university and, and started to study the history of technology, I, I, I've always been interested in this kind of stuff, uh, both the history of technologies, both successes and failures. I got really fascinated by this idea um, called the accident. And that, that idea is anytime you introduce a piece of technology, you also introduce the accident of that technology. So there's no such thing as a car crash until you introduce the car. There's no such thing as a nuclear meltdown until you introduce the nuclear power mm -hmm. plant. And that idea that technology has both intended and unintended consequences is something I, I just personally find really fascinating. And I think that's also true of people. I think that um, anytime you meet somebody, you also introduce the accident of that person to you. And so this is something that I talk about in the book and sort of crucial to the plot, the both the intended and unintended consequences of, of people entering your life and how they affect the trajectory. And so um, the book is... Uh, uh, has all, obviously all this interesting technology and these big philosophical questions, but it's very much about how these things affect the characters because, um, you know, we, as we all know, all these ideas are great, but unless you care about the characters, why would you want to read the book? And so, for me, it's really about these people, these very sort of real, grounded, complicated people that find themselves thrust into this larger-than-life situation and how they handle it with as much sort of grace and wit as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am to listen to the book, but also I'm excited to see it as a film. Yes. And I've heard that Paramount have got the rights to produce it. That's right, yeah. Um, we, I was very fortunate. Uh, even when I sold the book, we also sort of simultaneously sold the movie rights to Paramount Pictures, mm -hmm. and there was a producer named Amy Pascal, who did the Ghostbusters reboot, and uh, she's doing The Amazing Spider-Man right now, and uh, she's you know she's a terrific producer. And Paramount's been very excited about the about the prospects of a movie. So I actually just finished the first draft of the screenplay, um, which has been an interesting process as well, taking yeah. uh, the novel and then, and then sort of rethinking it as a movie. But um, yeah, we're very excited about that because to bring this sort of visual kind of world of tomorrow to life on screen for, uh, for audiences is something that I'm, I'm really excited about. So you are a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, this is your first novel. Why did you choose to write it as a book first and not just cut straight to the chase and do what you know? <laughs> um, the story, I would say, actually, more than anything. Um, when I had the idea, of course, I did think about it as a movie first, but as my ideas started to percolate and, and develop, I realized that the, the there was all these aspects to the story that I... It's hard in a movie because you have two hours, maybe you have two and a half hours before people start to get restless. And um, I just knew there was a lot of elements to the story that I was interested in exploring. So at first it was more of a writing exercise, to be honest. I was like, well, let me think about this stuff and start to kind of like write it out in prose and see where it takes me. But very quickly, the voice of the character kind of captivated me because uh, the book is written in the first person. It's almost like a pseudo memoir about this out outrageous adventure that he gets into through time and space and alternate realities. Um, and th that voice really captivated me, and I found myself really compelled to kind of pursue it. And as the pages started to pile up, I realized that, th that the 
story was kind of really blossoming in this mm -hmm. form and that the novel was the right way to tell the story, at least first. And so um, whether you read it or listen to it, um, you're getting sort of the full version of the story. And then the, the movie is going to be, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to be writing the movie, and it will be a different version, as, as anyone knows. The movie inevitably can't fit in everything that the book can. It's its own kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm thrilled that I was able to write the book first and, and um, you know, give readers and listeners a chance to have the full experience. And then the movie is a different, much more sort of visually kinetic version of it. Yeah. Um, I read a review of your book that said it has a refreshingly optimistic view of humanity's future. And I wanted to know, is that a view that you personally hold? Are you refreshingly optimistic about the future? Um, I'm Canadian, so <laughs> inevitably I look on both the bright and the dark side of things. Yeah. You know, we're sort of caught between the Americans who are inevitably sunny and the Brits who tend to sort of be like, well, that could happen, or um, <laughs> not to, you know, uh, sort of generalize wildly. Um, but uh, yeah, I am optimistic about humanity's future, but at the same time, I think...